You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Houston, Texas. Home to Sandra and Jim Melgar, who had been married for over 30 years and lived in a nice, quiet neighbourhood on Kelsey Meadows Court. Jim Melgar was born in Guatemala but immigrated to the United States when he was three years old. His family had decided to settle in Houston, where Sandra and her family lived. The two had met in school, with Sandra saying he was funny and charming, loving to make bad jokes and be a goofball. After weeks of him asking her out, she finally agreed to go ice skating with him, and they said the rest was history. They married in 1980, and Jim had started working as a computer programmer, and Sandra owned a medical billing and coding business. Both were very successful but enjoyed a low-key life, their friend said. The couple shared one daughter, Elizabeth, who went by Liz, and Liz said the three of them were as close as they could be, and her parents were best friends and made for each other. The three of them were big travellers and enjoyed things like hiking and fishing, but their love of outdoor activities sadly became a distant memory. Sandra suffered a lot physically with various conditions. She had lupus epilepsy, hypothyroidism, and she had had hip replacements. Liz said she also saw her mother have violent seizures on many occasions, which was terrifying for the whole family. Jim was desperate to help his wife, and spent whole days researching her conditions, trying to find treatments and cures. One of Sandra's friends said, there were times that she didn't feel safe driving, she was afraid her seizures might come on, so she depended on him for a lot of day-to-day activities. On December 22, 2012, Jim and Sandra were out and about. Not only was Christmas just around the corner, the couple had recently celebrated their 32nd wedding anniversary and decided that today was the day to celebrate. They went out for dinner at their favourite Mexican restaurant. At around 9.30pm, Jim picked up some drink mixers at CVS and sometime after, the couple arrived home. They made their drinks and snacks and spent some time in the jacuzzi in their bathroom. They talked about what they wanted to do with their future, whether they would sell their home or not, and whether they would hopefully travel one day. Jim was just five months away from retirement and was keen to make lots of plans to fill up his time. They also spoke about the following day. Jim's family were coming over for a small party to celebrate their anniversary and catch up before Christmas. Sandra recalled that suddenly the couple's four dogs started barking, so Jim got up to go and see what was going on. After about 15 minutes, he still wasn't back, but the dogs seemed quieter, so she decided to get out and start getting ready for bed, heading for the closet next to the bathroom. December 23rd, 2012, 7am. One of the Melgar's neighbours, 
noticed that the couple's garage door was open, which instantly struck him as odd. It didn't close all day, and no one went in or came out that anyone could see. At about 4.30pm, Jim's family arrived at the house for dinner. Herman, Jim's brother, knocked on the door, but was met with silence. Jim's black truck was parked in the driveway. As the garage door was still open, he could see Sandra's silver car parked inside. He went through the garage and entered the house that way, unlocking the front door for everyone else. Inside, they called out for Sandra and Jim, but it was painfully quiet. Herman said all the blinds were still closed, the house felt stuffy, and there was a strange heaviness to it. The couple's dogs then started barking, and Herman's daughter turned to her dad and said, something doesn't feel right. The family tentatively started making their way through the home, calling out as they went. Suddenly, Herman heard Sandra's muffled voice coming from upstairs. He ran up and through the master bedroom and the bathroom that tagged onto it. Near the jacuzzi was a small walk-in closet. In front of the closet door was a chair, which was propped up under the handle. When he moved the chair and opened the door, he saw Sandra lying on the floor inside the closet, her arms and feet bound by two scarves. Herman tried for a minute to untie her before running to get scissors, because the knots were too tight. He then discovered his brother Jim in another closet tagging onto the master bedroom, about 30 feet away from where Sandra was found. He was naked, badly beaten, and had been stabbed many times. Blood covered the walls and furniture. His legs had been tied with a telephone cord, and a rope was loosely wrapped around his chest. Just before 5pm, authorities were on scene. But just two minutes after they arrived, 52-year-old Jim Melgar was pronounced dead. He had more than 50 injuries in total and was covered in defensive wounds on his hands and arms, including 31 knife wounds. His skull had been bludgeoned too. An expert said that his defensive wounds showed he had attempted to fight off his attacker rather than run away. Through tears, Sandra told the paramedic that she last remembered it being about 1am, and after that, her mind was totally blank. She said she had no idea that 15 hours had passed, but as she had woken up with soiled underwear, she knew it must have been a significant period of time. As authorities started moving through the home, which was now a major crime scene, they saw that drawers had been pulled open. Jewellery boxes had been gone through, and there was a wallet and a purse out and on the bed. Sandra and Jim's daughter Liz said there were prescription pills missing and a TV from one of the bedrooms. Despite the state of the home and what she said, nothing was listed as missing or stolen in the police reports. Inside the jacuzzi was a white blouse and a kitchen knife they determined to be the murder weapon. Police also found Jim's loaded gun in the closet where he had been found, and the couple's safe, which was still locked, but had blood on the handle. Sandra said that her head was pounding and her body was aching, as if she had had a seizure, a feeling she said she knew all too well. She was checked over, but they found no signs of her head being hit. They couldn't find any significant marks or abrasions to her arms or hands either, something the police found a little odd, 
given how tight the knots were and how long she would have been tied up. Bizarre murder has a northwest Harris County neighborhood on edge this Christmas Eve. A couple celebrating a wedding anniversary found tied up in separate closets. The husband had been stabbed to death. Tonight, investigators have plenty of questions about this. That happened, as we see on this map, at a home on Kelsey Meadows Court and Village Terrace. And that's where Local 2's Andy Sirota is joining us live with the latest on this story. Andy? Bill, residents in this quiet community still baffled over a bizarre mystery involving two of their neighbors. Like police, they too have so many questions. We're just trying to get a statement. Sandra Melgar sought comfort today in the arms of a friend in the wake of her husband's bizarre murder. She was unable to speak from the back seat of this car where we saw her wrapped in a blanket laying down, still in shock after her 52-year-old husband was found dead and tied up in a closet. Relatives who arrived at the couple's home for Sunday dinner also found Sandra Melgar tied up in a separate closet. 32 years was the anniversary they were celebrating it. Distraught family members tell Local 2 the couple had been happily married for 32 years and recently celebrated their anniversary. Deputies say Melgar told them she can't remember who tied her up or who may have hurt her husband. His brother told us he'd been stabbed to death. They were in the bathroom together, uh, her and her husband, at approximately uh, 1 a.m. this morning. And at some time, she blacked out, and the next thing she remembers is waking up in the closet. Relatives told us off-camera the Melgars are devout Jehovah's Witnesses, own some rental properties, and insist there was nothing going on in the couple's lives to indicate trouble was on the horizon. Now, tonight, we're still not sure what caused Sandra Melgar to black out, but relatives tell us she does have a medical condition, and they say it appears that she may have been hit over the head with something. Investigators haven't released information on any possible suspects. They took Sandra Melgar to Homicide Headquarters to interview her. Andy, thank you, sir. Relatives got to the Melgar house yesterday. They said they noticed that the garage door was open. Investigators haven't said anything yet about any possible signs of forced entry or about whether the couple's home had possibly been ransacked or if anything was missing. She was taken to the hospital for further checks but quickly discharged herself. And after this, she was taken to the Harris County Sheriff's Office to answer some questions. It was a very odd scene and police suspected that something was off about Sandra's version of events. I need to do a statement from you, okay? That's why we're here. And I will record her and do a little statement and get some questions from you. Answer. She said she had no idea what happened past getting out of the jacuzzi and couldn't remember a thing. She said she definitely didn't see or hear anything happen to Jim and had no idea that he had been killed. And did, did you immediately get into the jacuzzi at that time when you got home? We made drinks and went straight to the jacuzzi. <clears throat> he got out once to go get ice and then came back and then said he was going to put the dogs, move the dogs because they were barking too much. He got out and said he was moving the dogs to the office because when they're too loud, we don't want the neighbors to complain. It was taking a while, so I got out and was going to get dressed for a change in my closet. And I went in there and I started to change. And that's all I remember until I woke up. And then I remember I woke up and I thought I had a seizure because my muscles hurt and my head was just hurting real bad. 
several hours later, I woke up and realized I was tied up. That's all I remember. That's it. I mean, I would tell you more if I remember more. I just don't. So the, turn it on. The coos was making noise. It was pretty loud. Mm -hmm. You couldn't hear anything over that. I didn't hear anything. Hear anybody scream? No. Hear the dogs? Well, you could hear the dogs barking. Yeah, because they were right outside our window. <clears throat> so did he have to go outside to get them? I don't think so. Usually he just calls them and they come. They come in the doggy door? Yeah. So you don't have to open the door? Sometimes, yeah. Because some of the little ones don't want to come in. They're not. That if you open the door last night, you would have heard that, right? I don't think so. The front? No, you mean the back door. She told police that she had headed into her closet, started applying some lotion, and then completely blacked out, putting it down to either hitting her head or being struck by someone. An unknown amount of time later, she came around and realised she was bound. She called for help and then must have passed out again after having what she thought was an epileptic seizure. She said the reason she felt this was because her body felt the same way it always did after having one. She said the only thing that had been odd about that day was as they were driving home just hours before, a car they didn't recognise looked like it was trailing them. I think when we left CVS, there was a, a car following us because when we came in our neighbourhood, it was still behind us and he was really close. And I had a little, I'd get upset with him because he, he would drive slower to, when someone was tailgating him and I'd tell him, don't do that because, you know dangerous but the guy turned left and we turned right and so we thought it was just a coincidence and I keep trying to remember but investigators were still dubious about her story they couldn't understand how she hadn't seen or heard anything especially given how violent the scene was and how loud Jim likely would have been he was fighting off whoever the attacker or attackers were for a while given his defensive wounds, and this could not have been quiet. They also couldn't fathom why someone would kill Jim, but leave her alive and virtually unscathed, with just a few bruises and small scratches. It was such a different scene in both closets. You all had no disagreements? No. At all? Along very well. You ever having fights? Usually they were with my daughter, but she's been gone for five years now, so no. Part of our job is what we do is we gather witness statements, okay? We also search for video cameras, mm -hmm. okay? And a couple of your neighbors had video cameras mm -hmm. and wanted to get your house pretty well, okay? okay? Your front door was locked, your back door was locked. Nobody came in okay. through the garage, mm -hmm. okay? We worked hundreds and hundreds of murders. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we we worked cold-blooded killers mm -hmm. that just on the street that would just kill somebody for nothing. Then sometimes we worked murders that they're in an argument and something happens. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's two different types of people. At one point, Sandra said she thought she needed to talk to a lawyer, given the way the questions were going, but the interview continued on. Because if you argue with somebody and you lose it, mm -hmm. your temper and, and an argument That's happens. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. 
And I think I'm gonna stop talking now because I think I'm gonna need a lawyer because I know how this works. And I hurt all over and my head hurts. How often do you have seizures like that? I'm not able to drive anymore. How frequent? Um, at least once a month, maybe. When was the last time that you had one of those before today? None of the neighbours reported hearing a commotion or the dogs barking either. There was nothing out of the ordinary to them. One neighbour was even outside, working in his garage until 1am and said he didn't hear or see anything suspicious near the house or on the street. No noise, no cars, no dogs, nothing. He was surprised that a home invasion had actually happened right under his nose, especially while feeling he was more of a target. To be honest, if anybody was going to get robbed, it would probably be me, because the garage door was wide open. I'm there, it was just me messing with my stuff. If somebody were going to come down and try and rob somebody, they'd be like, look at that dude, let's just go in there, tie him up and take all his stuff, he said. Officers said that there were no signs of a forced entry, and the drawers inside looked like they had been neatly pulled out, emptied and placed around, as opposed to someone opening them in a hurry and hunting for valuables. They found it odd that the murder weapon was left at the scene in the jacuzzi, the murder weapon that had come from inside the Melgar's kitchen. They also thought that she could have very easily pulled the chair against the door using a bath mat or a pillowcase. And they noted that neither Jim nor Sandra had any ligature marks, something they would have expected to see. This indicated to them that Jim had been tied up after death as opposed to being restrained before being killed. Despite the fact that things were missing, according to Liz and Sandra, Authorities and experts' overall conclusion was that the evidence was inconsistent with a home invasion and the scene had been staged by Sandra. They asked if she would take a voluntary polygraph test, which she declined. She said that she was freezing cold and shaking and was worried that this would work against her. We're not trying to cause you trouble or cause you pain. But we have a procedure. Are you familiar with a polygraph exam? Mm -hmm. We, uh have a person that's going to come here. He's probably I here now. I can't do it now. I'm just a nervous wreck right now. Okay, well, let me I explain. I just can't do let it me now. explain this. <clears throat> and I'd rather get a, talk to a lawyer about it because I, I already I already feel like, you know, I know where this is going. Okay, well, I want you to understand. Now, I understand that you're upset. I understand that you've been through a lot. This person that does this is a professional is able to filter for that. And I want you to meet with him and talk to him, no matter if you take the exam or not. We're not trying to pin something on you. We're not trying to get you to say that you've done something that you haven't done. I'm asking you to also, you know, try to dig deep. I understand that you said that you were you were struck and that you went unconscious. I understand that. But I'm asking you to really dig yeah. dig deep because you know you were there. I don't think I went unconscious. Okay. I mean, I think having a seizure is different from going, I mean, it's okay. the same, 
understand it's the same you said that you when you've had those experiences that you forget things and we understand that but you know and i'm not a doctor but i'm asking you you know of course for you and for us for your husband's sake you know if you can dig down and try to remember anything How you feeling? Freezing. How did the meeting go? Guess okay. Did you take a polygraph? No. How come? I don't. I needed to wait because I'm just too shaky right now. You know, something I want you to understand is that we go to all extremes. Uh-huh. You know, we don't quit. You're going to see a lot of me. You're going to see a lot of my partner. We're going to learn everything. But I hope you're processing else too, because it's, it's not me. We're processing this. You're seeing your house, too. And you know, we didn't just walk into this ball game yesterday. I did ask you to take a polygraph test. Yes. I did. And I know and I'm too shaken and I'm freezing. And what's, your, what's your explanation, though? What's your excuse for not taking one? It's not holding water, Sandra. I'm just going to be honest with you. I just don't want to take it, and then it's used against me. That's not possible. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It is. Those are not even admissible in court. What do you think should happen to the person that, if we catch that did this to your husband, what what do you think his punishment or her punishment should be? Do you think they should get a second chance? No. What do you think should happen to them? Or her. They should go to prison. Isn't that what they normally do? They go to prison. Do you love your husband? Yes, I love my husband. Does you care about him? Yes. She wants to finally kill him. Of course. I don't think you do. Did you kill your husband? No, I didn't. Did you have anything to do with your husband's death? No. Detectives had made their mind up about what had happened that night, and on December 24th, they called the Harris County District Attorney's Office, requesting to file murder charges against Sandra Melgar. But the DA's office declined, saying there was a lack of evidence. Testing from the scene was starting to come back, and it showed there was no blood apart from Jim's present, which was unusual. But an expert said they could not exclude the possibility of someone leaving the home essentially clean. There were male and female DNA profiles discovered on some door handles, dresser drawers, the handle to the safe, and the scarves that had been tied around Sandra. These profiles did not match any members of the Malgar family, but they weren't fully tested to determine who the DNA was linked to. Detectives then received a message from Liz, saying she had found a backpack with an Xbox in it in the garage. She said the only explanation for this was someone had bagged it up to steal it and then dropped it or left it on the way out. An unknown female DNA profile came back on this as well. A few days later, someone called in with a tip, saying after thinking about that night long and hard, they had recalled something. They said they had seen a man acting strangely around the neighbourhood that night. It turned out that this man was Chad Sullivan, a convicted thief who was just out of prison on assault charges. 
Although police knocked on his door twice to talk to him and left a card asking him to get in contact, he never responded, never opened the door, and thus, he was never questioned. A few weeks later, Sandra said her memory was finally starting to come back in bits and pieces, and she had a flashback to a young Hispanic woman in the closet, talking to someone behind her that Sandra couldn't see, but investigators were still not convinced. They carried on building their case against Sandra over the next 18 months, believing that it just didn't add up, didn't make sense, and didn't seem plausible for this to have been a robbery gone wrong. In the summer of 2014, almost two years after Jim was killed, Sandra Melgar was indicted on first-degree murder charges. What a development here. A woman who once claimed to be the victim of a home invasion that ended up killing her husband is now charged with his murder. You may remember this story. Christmas Eve of 2012, Sandra Melger claimed somebody broke into her northwest Harris County home, tied her up in the closet, and murdered her husband. Well, now authorities say that was all an elaborate lie. Ms. Melgar says that uh, they were in the bathroom together, uh, her and her husband, at approximately uh, 1 a.m. this morning, and at some time she blacked out and next thing she remembers is waking up in the closet tied up. You know, it just seemed like something was really strange with how it all came down with with uh, them being tied up and just one person being killed. A year and a half later, 54-year-old Sandra Melgar is charged with her husband's murder. We were wondering, I mean, it was so weird that uh, what happened and how it happened, nothing was, didn't seem like we heard anything like anything had been stolen or anything like that. Now curious neighbors want to know what information led investigators to charge Mrs. Melgar and why it took so long. They have, after all, been unnerved for over a year, thinking a home invasion on their street was the work of ruthless thieves. Her defense team argued that there was no physical evidence against her and that everyone was missing a very key part. There was simply no motive at all. They said... This idea that something must have happened and then she went crazy and subjected him to over 50 blunt force and sharp force injuries is just impossible. They maintain that someone or several people broke into the house via the back door to rob it and Jim ended up dead in the process. They questioned why Sandra was found with none of Jim's blood on her. If the attack had been as violent as it was, surely she would have something on her, but her hands and nails were clean and her nails were unbroken. She also had no injuries, aside from some bruising on her upper arms, something they said they would have expected to see a lot more of, given the crime. They also pointed out Sandra's various physical ailments, and said there was no way she could have physically overpowered him in the first place, and gotten away unscathed. And the fact that there was an unknown male and female DNA found in the house that was not fully tested, should be enough to create doubt for the jury. And if there was anything that put doubt in the jury's minds that someone else could have done this, they couldn't find Sandra being guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Finally, her defence team pointed out that the lead investigator on the case was later forced to resign after backdating a search warrant in an unrelated murder case. It was purely a badly put together, circumstantial case in their eyes. But the prosecutor said her story just didn't make the slightest bit of sense and put forward two motives for murder. 
They said that she had wanted a divorce, but due to them both being Jehovah's Witnesses, she was worried she would be pushed out if she went ahead with this. But Sandra's family and friends said she never made any mention of wanting to separate from her husband. The second motive pointed to the $250,000 life insurance policy that Jim had, which Sandra would have benefited from. They claimed that it was entirely possible that Sandra had tied Jim up before he was stabbed, perhaps positioning it as some sort of sex game, or she stabbed and bludgeoned him before he was tied up, hence the reason the knots were only loose, as they weren't needed to actually restrain him. She then spent time staging the scene, finishing with tying her hands and feet. They said that one of her nails was slightly cloudy, which pointed to a clean-up happening. Celestina Rossi, a blood spatter analyst and crime scene reconstructionist, testified for the prosecution. She said that in her experience, the crime scene didn't match that of a home invasion. There were no signs of a forced entry, and dresser drawers weren't scattered throughout the bedroom. She also said that the candle on Jim's nightstand was still lit, and this was a sign that there was no struggle near the closet where Jim was killed, as would likely be expected in these type of situations. She agreed with the medical examiner's report that all of Jim's wounds were defensive, and noted that his gun was still loaded and untouched, just inches away from his body. She said as it was his wife that was attacking him, he would be keen to disarm her rather than kill her in self-defence. And the chair blocking the door from the outside? The prosecution, along with police argued it was entirely possible for her to put a pillowcase under the chair to pull it against the door and shut herself in. This was not something that needed to be done by someone else. Closing arguments have just wrapped up in the case against a woman accused of murdering her husband and then trying to cover it up. Channel 2's Lee Felici is joining us live downtown with what we're learning from the courtroom as we wait for a verdict in this case. Lee? Yes, Bill. Well, the prosecutor arguing very strongly that Sandra Melgar did murder her husband. The defense saying there was shoddy detective work and the evidence just does not add up. Now it's up to the jury. Sandra Melgar's fate lies in their hands. Thank you. Closing arguments began this afternoon. You guys saw the photos. You saw all the wounds that he had, the 13 stab wounds, all the other wounds that he had in his body and his head. Certainly that person intended to kill him, or that person certainly intended to cause serious bodily injury, which resulted in death. We've proven all of those things. In the Sandra Melgar case. There's no physical evidence in this case that points to her at all. The prosecution graphically painting a picture from their case. And while he isn't looking, she makes a strike straight up all the way to his neck. That's what that first strike is. Jamie, of course, gets up to try and defend himself, turns around, and that's when she gets him on the, on the thumb. And that's when the blood starts spurting out onto the chair. The defense criticizing shoddy detective work and saying the evidence is just not there. Look at what remains. No broken nails, no problems with the hands, no bruising here where you would expect it if a knife was used. So the jury is expected to deliberate for only a few more minutes until about 5.15, then they'll be back at it again tomorrow morning. We're live at the Harris County Criminal Courthouse, Lee for Lisi, KPRC. Channel 2 News. In August 2017, 
a jury spent eight hours deliberating. On the first day, they were split down the middle in their decisions. But on the second day, they had reached a verdict. Sandra Melgar was found guilty and sentenced to 27 years in prison for the murder of her husband, Jim. Liz said an audible gasp went through the entire courtroom as the verdict was read out. Sandra almost passed out and sat sobbing. She said that the thought of her mother killing her father had briefly crossed her mind, but she no longer thought this was possible, and no one in court thought she would have actually been found guilty. Both Jim and Sandra's families support her claims of innocence and believe her story completely. I tried to look at the evidence. I tried to be unbiased about it, which is difficult because these are my parents. In the end, I still want justice for my dad. I want to know who did this, and it was not my mother. I know that she did not do this. I'm going to continue to fight until we can prove that, Liz said. The prosecution were happy with the result and the sentence given and said, she told a story that didn't make sense. It didn't add up and the jury didn't believe it. The jury foreman would later say, Both mine and probably my fellow jurors, Pendulum, uh, guilt or innocence, swung back and forth throughout the entire trial. What was your first impression of Sandra? Was how could this diminutive-looking middle-aged lady possibly have committed this crime? Uh, it, was, it was, frankly, incredulous to see it at first. Uh, didn't compute. Uh, I didn't, didn't think she could have done it at first. One, I'll say Colleen's, the prosecutor's testimony, right? It all made sense. Now, was it absolutely provable? Uh, uh, no, but it's the only thing that made sense. During the, uh, the trial, the prosecution had acquired all the medical records and showed and just listed the dates up there and everything else of her doctor's visits, no seizure, no seizure, no seizure, getting better, you know, that kind of stuff. We watched almost all the police video over again uh, during deliberations, and, and that's what brought the other people over uh, until we had a unanimous verdict. A couple of months later, Sandra's team filed an appeal requesting a retrial. This was denied. New at six, a celebrity defense attorney is taking on the case of a Houston woman convicted of murdering her husband, Kathleen Zellner, who was featured in the Netflix... In 2018, famed defense attorney Kathleen Zellner announced she would be taking the case to help Sandra, believing in her innocence. Kathleen Zellner has helped exonerate 19 people who were wrongfully convicted and garnered major attention from the Netflix series Making a Murderer when she started working with Stephen Avery after he was convicted of the 2005 murder of Teresa Hallback. We are ready to hear argument in cause number PD 024320, Sandra Jean Melgar versus the state of Texas. Good morning uh, to the court. I'm George McCall Seacrest Jr. from Houston, and along with Allison Seacrest, we represent Sandy Melgar on appeal and represented her at trial. The state did not prove Sandra Melgar's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And I contend, based upon a fair and full reading of the record in this case, and based upon its unique facts, the evidence is legally insufficient as a matter of law. Yeah, let me ask you a question real quick. So I know the state doesn't have to prove motive, they speculate about what your client's motive might have been. But if there's anything in the record 
or in the briefs, I missed. Is there any evidence of any? What what would the motive to kill Jaime have been? Zero. According, Z- let, let me. I mean, no, no, not for your client. I mean, for someone else to kill him. Oh, uh, I, uh, I, I, I be- we believe it was home invasion, and we the, that would be the motive. We believe that in fact people entered the home. We think this business about no breaking and entering the garage door was up. It was an unlockable interior door, and there was contrary to the court of appeals opinion, there was evidence that property was missing. Opioids were missing. A television set, jewelry, cash. That that is the motive. Uh, for why, why, why someone would, else did it. Why would they not have killed your client too? I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I'd, have to, I'd have to speculate. Another appeal for Sandra was lodged, but this was denied again, with one of the judges saying, the evidence is legally sufficient to support every essential element of the offence beyond a reasonable doubt. In late 2022, the Innocence Project of Texas announced that they too would be picking up Sandra's case. She has spoken from prison and tells the same story she always has. They got it wrong. They they got it completely wrong. Sandra, did you kill your husband? No, I did not kill my husband. No. And you have grandkids. And my grandbabies, yeah. You're missing out on. I know. I know that really hurts me. I miss them so much. I mean, I'm just going to keep fighting this until I'm out of here. That's all I can do. It is a really strange, confusing and sad case, which has been divisive right from the beginning. Many believe that Sandra is a killer who masterminded the whole operation and staged the scene to get away with murder, whereas many others believe she is just as much of a victim. The police decided that it was her from the get-go. They created the narrative, and the killer or killers are still out there. With numerous groups, podcasts and websites campaigning for her release, and with others fighting to keep her in, it's clear to see just how polarising this case and conviction has been. Whatever anyone's thoughts are, there are still so many unanswered questions about that night. Is the real killer behind bars, or has someone been wrongfully convicted? Sandra Malgar will be eligible for parole in 2031. If she is not granted parole... Her release date is August 2044. She will be 85 years old. Jim Melgar was a kind, hard-working and thoughtful man with a great sense of humour and a big heart. He is missed dearly by everyone and with so many questions about what happened still lingering, family and friends say it only becomes harder to find closure when that was already so tough to get in the first place. We are so grateful to all of our viewers and all of our patrons, and we'd love you to consider joining our little community over on Patreon. It supports us as a channel, and we couldn't be more appreciative of anyone that does so. It also gives you behind-the-scenes, extra episodes, and early ad-free access.